Good morning, everybody. Good to see you. And welcome to River Glen. Welcome, everybody here in Waukesha. Welcome to everyone over in uh, Pewaukee and online, wherever you might be. Uh, so good to see you and have you with us. Uh, thank you so much for joining us for church. Today's week number two. Uh, we're in a series called uh, Detour on the Life of Joseph, talking about how God uses detours to develop us and reroute our lives to a better uh, destination. Last week we said that for uh, many of us, life doesn't go exactly the way that we planned. You know, it's not like a straight line up into the right. Things don't go exactly the way that we thought uh, we, that we, they would go. We said uh, for many of us, life's more like that. You know, ups, downs, twists, turns, and uh, detours that, that God uses for our uh, development. But today we're going to look at how Joseph avoided a bad detour. And it really helped him because this particular detour would have taken him to a really bad place that God didn't want him to go. Today we're going to see how Joseph resisted temptation and developed self-control. I came across some research I'd never heard before on self-control that I thought was just fascinating and I wanted to share with you. Do you know people with self-control, they live longer, they're happier, less depressed, they get better grades. They earn more money, they sleep better, they have a lower resting heart rate, uh, they're more physically attractive, they're more helpful to others, they have better marriages. I mean, anybody interested? I think all of us would be interested in that. But self-control is very difficult because we're all tempted by something. You know, I wonder what area of life are you prone, in what areas are you prone to temptation. Uh, what tempts you? I'll share a couple of, a couple of mine, uh, like free food. Uh, you know, we have free food around here all the time. You know, people bring us free food. About, about a year ago, somebody brought in uh, several loaves of fresh homemade uh, baked bread and, and, and butter. I wasn't even hungry. I'd already eaten my lunch. But I think I ate almost a whole loaf all by myself. I, I feel this obligation to eat free food. Dessert's another one uh, for me. I attended a wedding recently, and they had a uh, cupcake table. I didn't take one, but others at my table did. And I noticed that the cupcakes had filling inside. And the guy next to me, his cupcake was filled with peanut butter, which is my favorite. And he said it was the best cupcake that he, ever, uh, that he ever had. I made the mistake of asking, you know, where did they get the cupcakes? And they told me. I, I thought it would be someplace far away. It's a local bakery right by my house. And they said they're open every day from 10 to 4, and they have these peanut butter uh, pup, uh, cupcakes. And I stopped, and I had one. Best cupcake I've ever had. So please uh, pray for me every day from 10 to 4, all right, because I'm feeling really tempted. I want more uh, of those. Those are some humorous examples. But I've got some more serious temptations as well. Sometimes I'm tempted to brag about myself uh, or my family uh, to prove my worth. I'm tempted to gossip. I'm tempted to think I'm always right, even when it's possible I might be wrong. I'm tempted to lose my temper, especially when I feel out of control. And this is something that every one of us Uh, has in common. We all deal with temptation. Might be food, might be alcohol, might be money, power, possessions, sex, self-importance. All of us deal with temptations. And and screens don't help. I mean, nowadays, I mean, one click 
and uh, you can uh, deal with temptation. One click, and you can have online pornography. One click, and Amazon will deliver something to your doorstep the next day. It's so easy to give in to temptation. So what is temptation? Here's a definition I came across. Temptation is anything that promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience to God. So it, it promises you, you satisfaction. You think, you know, if I take this, if I drink this, if I inhale this, if I get more of this, I'll be satisfied. And maybe you will be satisfied for a moment, but it doesn't last, and it comes with a cost. The cost is disobedience uh, to God. I want you to see how this works. Here's, here are five elements of temptation. The first is, is temptation itself. You know, it's the person, the food, the, the money, uh, whatever it is that tempts you. And by the way, temptation itself is not a sin. Jesus was tempted and never sinned. All of us face temptation. And then there is the fantasy element. This is where we begin to wonder, you know, you know what if I could have it or try it or own it? Which leads to the next element, which is you take a step toward it. You know, you're married and you feel some attraction to someone else at work. You stop by their workstation to say hi. And you've taken a step toward it. And that can lead to the next element, which is an act of sin. Scripture says that sin can grow and lead to death, which is the final element of temptation. Death to joy, death to freedom, death to our reputation, death to integrity, death to a relationship. Now, I show you these five elements because I want you to see what happens when you're tempted and you don't turn away right away at, at, at the temptation stage. It can lead you on a bad detour. But here's the good news. Uh, God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. You can avoid falling to it. You can develop self-control with God's help. Today, I want to show you how Joseph is a great example on how to resist temptation and develop self-control. We started looking at his life last week. We looked at the first chapter of Joseph's story in Genesis chapter 37. Joseph is the second youngest of 12 brothers. His father loves him the most, but his brothers hate him and they sell him. They sell him to a group of Midianites uh, passing by on their way to Egypt. The last verse of chapter 37 says the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. So Joseph starts at the bottom working for Potiphar in Egypt. But Potiphar sees this guy is special. And he's smart. He has integrity. He's hardworking. Potiphar quickly promotes Joseph and puts him in charge of everything he owns, including his household, his, his, his property, his servants. The scripture says Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything. And so Joseph is rebounded nicely from the betrayal of his brothers. As a young man now in his uh, 20s, he has risen to a position of power working for Potiphar. But then all of a sudden, he faces a bad detour of temptation. Uh, it says, uh, now Joseph uh, was well-built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph 
and said, come to bed with me. Uh, she's, she's not very subtle, is she? And so uh, Joseph is just, you know, minding his business, and he gets confronted by this woman. What, what, do, you, what do you call an older woman who pursues a, a younger man? What is it, a puma, a, a panther? A cougar, yeah, a cougar. Uh, you could also call her a cheetah. Yeah, yeah, I had to, couldn't pass on that one. Verse says that Joseph refused. Joseph saw the temptation and immediately turned away. And you got to ask why. I mean, he's, he's single. It would be consensual. No one would know. I mean, it must have been a boost. must have given his self-esteem a boost to receive attention from his master's uh, wife. But he resisted the temptation, and he showed amazing self-control. And here's the reason why. Because he was ready for it. He was prepared for it. You know, I, I would guess if, if I asked that uh, all of us have at some point given in a temptation and regretted it, right? I have. I think we all have. And the reason is because we were not ready for it. Scripture uh, tells us over and over again uh, to, to, to prepare for temptation. The Apostle Paul said, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith. Be courageous, be strong, be ready. Don't, don't let your guard down. Your enemy, the devil, he's coming after you. Jesus said, he said, actually said this two times. He said, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing. The spirit, your, your spirit wants to do the right thing. But your flesh is weak and you're not as strong as, the, as you think you are. And so I want to give you four ways to prepare yourself so that you can avoid the detour of temptation uh, based on the example of Joseph. First, you need to pre-decide what you will never do. You know, Joseph wasn't naive. I mean, he knew the way this woman looked at him. He knew the way that she flirted with him. And so he made a decision in advance that he would never go to bed with her. He pre-decided what he would not do. You, you ever thought about making a list of what you will never do? A pre-decided, never ever uh, list. Because if you don't pre-decide what you'll never do, you'll find yourself in a situation where you will feel tempted and your emotions will kick in and they can overpower you to say yes to a short-term thrill that can lead to a lifetime of, of regret. Here's a question for you. Do you think that you will make better decisions if you pre-decide in a prayerful, thoughtful way, what, what, what are you going to do? Or do you think you'll make better decisions if you make them, you know, in the moment, on the spot, based on emotions? I think, I think many of us would agree that prayerful, thoughtful decisions have a higher success rate than decisions that are made, you know, in, in the moment, on the spot, based on feelings. Let's play this out in a couple uh, scenarios, a couple situations. Let's say that you're dating somebody... And you're talking to each other about expressing physical uh, affection and, and uh, you know, how far are we going to go and, and uh, those kinds of things. Do you think to make that decision, it would be wiser for you to open up the scriptures and say, hey, God, do you have anything to say about this? And to think about it and to, and to pray about it and, and make the decision that way. Or do you think it would be wiser to wait until midnight when you're on the basement couch alone? And, and there's nobody around. Don't make a life-changing decision at midnight. 
Don't make a life-changing decision at a party. I mean, better yet, don't even put yourself in that situation in the, in the first place. Uh, what about church? Some people get to the weekend and it's kind of like, you know, flip a coin, uh, check the weather. Do you want to go to church? I don't really feel like uh, going. Other people make a decision. You know what? As for me and my family, we're going to be there. For, as, as for myself and my kids, we're going to be there. For me personally, I find it's the weekends that I don't feel like going that oftentimes that's when God speaks to me the most. You know, when I, sometimes when I force myself to go and I don't feel like going, those are the weekends I walk out of here going, thank you, God. This is exactly where I needed to be. The wisest people I know make the biggest decisions in advance. Joseph decides in advance what he wouldn't do. But then I want you to notice something else that Joseph did to prepare for temptation. It says uh, she kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her. And look at this. And he kept out of her way as much as, as possible. So he predecides not to sleep with her, but he also decides to move the line. Let me explain what this means, what I mean by moving your line. I want you to imagine that there's a line when it comes to uh, temptation. And uh, over on this side of the line, this is sin. This is not God's will. This is, this is wrong and this is dangerous. And over here, this is right and this is God honoring. And the question that all of us have to ask is how close can I get to the line without crossing over? That's a natural question um, to ask. And we have a tendency in some areas to just try to get as close to the line as we can. You know, sometimes in, in dating, you know, as close to the boundary as we can. Maybe at a party with, with, with drinking, you know, as close to the line as we, uh, as we, as we can. Um, but we don't act that way in other areas of life. Because we know it's dangerous. I mean, for example, you know, when I drive my car down Sunset, um, you know, I never do this. I mean, I never see, you know, how close can I get to the center line without crossing over? Because I know that's uh, dangerous. Here's what we learned for Joseph. We want to move the line in this direction, away from temptation, away from sin. That's what Joseph did. It says, as much as possible, he stayed away from Potiphar's wife. Now, was it a sin to be near her? No, no. But he, he could go near her, but, but he moves the line and he decides to stay away from her as much as, as possible. He, he realizes that if, you know, if he bumps over the line here, it, it, it won't lead to dangerous consequences. But if he keeps the line over here and he bumps over the line... It will lead to dangerous consequences. And so where do you need to move the line in this direction, away from temptation, away from sin? Well, it depends on where you're vulnerable to temptation. If, you have, have a, if you're vulnerable to overspending online and, you know, you go online and you make purchases again and again and again, maybe for you, uh, moving the line means you shut off uh, one-click purchases or maybe... It means you just shut off shopping websites and you go to stores and, and buy things because it's less convenient. Or if you're vulnerable to online pornography, you can move the line by setting some restrictions on your devices to block content that you don't want to look at. If you're vulnerable to alcohol and you go to the bar and then you make some bad decisions 
After, afterward, uh, moving the line might mean that you decide, I'm going to limit my drinking, or I'm not going to go to the bar. I'll tell you some lines that uh, help me. I avoid scheduling something um, every weeknight on my calendar, because I know if I do that, that's just going to wear me down, and I'm not going to be at my uh, best. Uh, something else, I, I've stopped uh, having diet soda around the house, because I know if I do, I'm going to drink all of it. Another line for me, I don't, I don't ride in a, in a vehicle alone with another woman who's, who's not my wife or I'm not related to. Those are some lines for me. Now, you know, your lines might look a little bit different, and that's fine. But what lines do you need to move in your life? Now, you might hear my list and say, well, that seems uptight. That seems old-fashioned. That seems restrictive. And I would say, you know, I can do those things, but I've made a decision that I won't. I can, I can, but I won't because sometimes I get tempted and I want to, be, I want to make sure I'm ready for it and, and prepared. Look at what David said about moving a line. David was a man with a heart, known as a man with a heart for God. David said, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. David says, it's better to move the line in this direction away from temptation and sin because it leads to greater freedom and greater self-control, and greater happiness. Here's a third way to prepare yourself and avoid the detour of temptation. You magnify the cost. You decide what you'll never do. You move the line to protect yourself, and then you count the cost. You think about the cost if you take this detour. What could go wrong? Joseph thought about all of that. Look at what he says to uh, Mrs. Potiphar. Joseph refused and said to her, My master trusts me with everything in his house. He'd lose his trust. He would lose the trust of his master. He's put me in charge of everything he owns. He he says, I have authority. I would lose all of that. There's no one in his house greater than I. I've got a reputation. I've got status, and I would lose that. He's He's not kept anything from me except you. Because you are his, his, his wife. Joseph thinks it through, and he realizes that he would lose everything. He, he, says, he says, no, there's too much at stake. Ask yourself, if I give in to this, what relationships will be, uh, will be impacted? How much is it going to cost financially? What is the worst-case scenario? And get real honest with yourself. For example, is, is it worth losing my marriage? Is this single, selfish act worth losing my, my family, my job, my, my friends? Is it worth the damage? It'll cost, cost my, my spouse, my child, my, my grandchildren, my parents, my staff, anybody who puts their trust in me, looks up to me. If you're single, ask yourself, would this temptation to lie, cheat, steal, sleep around, would it, put me, would, would it set me up for a greater future or would it damage my reputation? And maybe limit future opportunities. Magnify the cost and it will motivate you to resist temptation and develop self-control. One more way to prepare yourself and avoid a bad detour. You remember the God factor. Potiphar's wife threw herself at at, uh, Joseph. He refused and he moved the line and he counted the cost. And then look at what he says next. He says, how then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? 
Notice how he doesn't just view this as a sin against Potiphar or against his wife, but as a sin against God. He doesn't just calculate the financial cost, the career cost. He, he calculates the spiritual cost. Joseph doesn't fully understand everything that's happening in his life right now, the way his brothers sold him into slavery. Now he's working for a foreign boss. But he understands this. If he stays faithful in the present, God would bless him in the future. And if he doesn't, God won't reward him. Knowing that God would bless him motivated him to refuse her, and he did. Now, you would think that she would uh, back off and uh, leave Joseph alone, but look at, look at what the rest of the story says here. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants were inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me, but he left his cloak in her hand, and he ran out of the house. You know, this phrase, uh, one day, stands out uh, to me. Because you can resist the same temptation a hundred times, and then uh, one day it can catch you off guard. You know, I don't know how many times I've heard this phrase, uh, one day, over the years. He was a great leader, uh, but then one day he got a message from an old college girlfriend. He was a great student, star athlete, but one day he got drunk and accused of, of assault. She built a great business, but then one day... She falsified accounts. It takes many years to build a great life, but just one day, one mistake, one detour to wreck it. But notice how Joseph responds when, when she grabs his, his cloak. He didn't, notice, he didn't try to reason with her. He doesn't stop and think, um, you know, I'm stronger than this. No, it says he ran from her. I think he planned this escape in advance. If she grabs I run. He ran out of his coat. He'd, have a, he'd rather have a better name. He'd rather have a good name than a good coat. Scripture tells us that when faced with any kind of temptation, especially sexual temptation, run from it. Joseph runs from it, and he stays faithful to God, and God blesses him in the, in the future. We're going to see next week how um, Pharaoh's wife uh, falsely accuses him of rape, Potiphar throws Joseph into prison, but Joseph rises again. God blesses him. God will give him uh, wisdom, and he will become the prime minister of Egypt. He will predict a famine and, and save and store up food to, to uh, save the nation from starvation. And God gives Joseph a wife and children and reunites him to his family. Joseph will save the nations of Egypt and Israel from, from starvation. But none of that would have ever happened if he would have went to bed with Potiphar's wife. You may not fully understand everything that's going on in the present, how God's working in the, in the present, but don't cut yourself off from, from future blessings by taking a bad detour today. God will, God will bless you if you stay faithful to him. Remember the God factor. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, I've already crossed the line. I've already taken a bad detour. It's too late for me. And you might have lost something already. And, it, and I know it may be painful and, and you regret it. Uh, but I want you to know that you have not lost God's love. You might think you have, but you have not. 
You have not lost God's offer of new life and forgiveness. Proverbs 24 says, though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. doesn't mean that you keep doing it again and again, but it means no matter how many times you fall, you can get back up and seek and receive forgiveness. You can restart. I want you to hear the story of a young lady who grew up going to church. But then uh, as a teenager, she drifted. And uh, she drifted for many years until one day she drove by our church building. Take a look. My name is Sydney, and I attend the Waukesha campus. So my mom, she, she uh, sang on the worship team when I was younger at church. And there I had a good foundation uh, of God. Um, but we ended up leaving the church, and we were in and out of church. By the time I had gotten to high school, it was really non-existent. Uh, after high school, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do with my life, and it got to a point where I had tried to go to, I had tried to get multiple jobs in areas that I wasn't really sure about, and it just came to the point where I was like, I need guidance, I need help. So I have a friend named Lindsay, and I was driving, the way that I get to her home, I have to go on Sunset Drive. And uh, I was passing the church and I saw the sign as I was passing by that says, come as you are. I saw that sign and I was like, wow, um, I really wanna be at a church that really embraces people coming in as they are, just because at that time I didn't really feel like I belonged anywhere. And so um, I end up spending the day with Lindsay um, and I ended up staying over because we had had a busy day. And on the way back, I really wasn't planning on going to church. Um, but as I was passing again on sunset, I happened to see the come as you are sign flashing at the same time. And I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna turn in. When I walked in, we were actually starting a new series. Um, and it really felt like God was speaking to me. Um, and I just really felt at home for the first time in a long time. When you, when you decide to get baptized and give your life over to God, it doesn't necessarily matter where you are beforehand. At this, when I came here, Ben, during his service, he was talking about baptism because they had had baptisms the previous Sunday. And he offered it up again. And I was like, now is the time. At that moment, I just felt when I was standing in the water that it was right. I feel like there was something that needed to happen through the baptism that showed me that I needed to dedicate my life 100% to Him. And I think when you, when you get baptized, it's essentially saying, I, un I know who God is, I understand what He did for me, and I'm going to go all in, and I just trust that regardless of where I'm at, that I'm ready and that he's gonna, he's gonna lead me through whatever I'm going through. Before being baptized, I was on a path of just, I didn't have direction, I didn't have guidance, I didn't have a purpose. I was going with the flow and my going with the flow didn't really lead to anywhere um, life-giving or, or meaningful. Um, and so once I realized that and realized that there was no way I could control my life or try to set a path because there just didn't, I didn't see a future. And it wasn't until I 
lean into God that I saw that I do have a future, I do have a purpose, and now I live with Him as my purpose. Yeah, let's give Sydney a hand. I love that story. I love the way that she uh, brought God and, and church uh, back into her life. It's easy to uh, go with the flow in our, in our culture and drift away from, from God. But she saw that sign that says, come as you are, and she decided to give it another try. And she gave her life to Jesus through baptism. And now Sydney volunteers in our church. She serves as a leader, one of the leaders in our college-age uh, ministry. So I want to challenge you today. Uh, I want to give you two challenges. First, maybe some of you need, need to take a step of baptism, like Sydney. Baptism is commanded by Jesus for everyone who follows him as an expression of faith. It, it symbolizes your surrender to him and the washing away of your sin. And it will prepare you and strengthen you to avoid bad detours in life and develop self-control. We've got an opportunity uh, coming up in, in a couple weeks. We've got an outdoor uh, baptism coming up. It's called the Baptism uh, Bash, uh, Saturday, July 30th here in Waukesha, Sunday, uh, July 31st at uh, Pewaukee. And we've got everything that you need. Uh, we've got a, a free T-shirt that you get to keep. It's a fun event. You don't want to miss it. We've got food and inflatables. And if you want to sign up or if you have questions, you can use the welcome card or stop at the Connect Wall in the uh, lobby. Here's the second challenge today, and that is to pray. Two times in Scripture, Jesus says, watch and pray so that you don't fall into temptation. In the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer, Jesus specifically tells us to pray for God to lead us away from temptation. And so I want to challenge you to pray. I mean, what if you prayed for your spouse this week, and you just said, uh, God, I want to pray for my husband, I want to pray for my, my wife. God, would you lead them away from temptation? What if you prayed for your children? What if you prayed for a best friend and said, God, with all the temptations we have in our world uh, today, would you lead them in the opposite uh, direction and, and give them self-control? What if you pray for yourself? God, I don't even want to go near a bad detour. Maybe you got a temptation that's gaining momentum in your life. What if you started every morning, started your day by praying uh, the Lord's Prayer? Because if you did, you would say these words, Lord, lead me not into temptation. Lord, lead me away from temptation. And so today, I want to end the message a little bit uh, differently. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand up and recite the Lord's Prayer uh, together. We don't normally do this. Uh, but I'm going to invite you to do that. And as we do, I hope that you have a moment where you just go, God, thank you for the forgiveness of my sins. God, right now, I'm praying. I'm asking you to lead me away from temptation. And so would you go ahead and uh, stand with me? And uh, let's, let's recite this together on the count of three. One, two, three. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil uh, one. I'm going to pray for us and then stay standing for our final song. And then after the service, if you'd like prayer, 
for anything at all, just come down to the corners of the stage and we'll have people here to pray with you. Let me pray with us. God, it's amazing uh, what you did in and through the life of, of, of Joseph. And it's an offer to all of us if we prioritize you. God, I pray that we would follow the example of Joseph and make ourselves ready and prepared for temptation. God, help us to decide what we would, what we'll never do and to move, move some lines to protect ourselves and magnify the cost and trust that you'll bless us in the future and lead us to a destination that's greater than anything we can imagine. God, would you bless our lives and use us to make more and better followers of Jesus. And it's in his name we pray.